Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Tuesday. It is November 1st. It's my husband's birthday, too. Happy birthday, Mr. Golseth. Happy birthday, Luther. And it, baptism birthday. And happy All baptism birthday. <laughs> it is also All Saints Day. Yes, it is. It is also parents recovering from <laughs> an evening of trick or treating and Sugar. too much candy mm-hmm. and staying up too late. Yes. So all those things packed in one. Today we're going to focus on All Saints Day, though. We're going to focus on that. And, That's uh, a good we'll, idea. We'll start that conversation in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Sean Denzer. He's Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and our chaplain here at the International Center. And expert on all things liturgical <laughs> and let's see historic the like, church service history liturgy history too yeah yeah and trick or treating i'd like to and think. trick oh, or yeah. treating yeah. yes and <laughs> master carver of pumpkins too like didn't know yeah, that this. was impressive this yeah. year yeah that's my spiritual gift it's all that useful <laughs> pumpkin carving but if yeah if anybody has need so today is all saints day and the church has observed this for a long time. What does this mean for Lutherans, particularly? How do we observe All Saints Day? Because I assume in various traditions, it's probably observed differently. Yeah. Um, I mean, so we're aware as Lutherans that one of the big abuses that developed quite early but continues and continues to this day is the cult of the saints. Cult means worship of, you know, you, we have a cult of our true God. There are cults cults who worship other things and are usually small fringe groups. The cult of the saints that's just growing. It's so easy to see how this develops, right? I mean, honoring the dead is kind of universal across human civilizations, right? Actually having some kind of ancestor worship is still very common in Africa and and especially the Asian countries. And, uh, and so how quickly then it can shift from these are the heroes of the faith, these are the people we birth for their great deeds, to these are the people who, I mean, we know that we have a communion of saints because they're they're not dead, but they live on, just like Jesus explains when he's fighting with the Sadducees, right? Our God is the God of the living and not the dead. So we expect to see all of these great heroes of the old faith at the last day when they're raised. And we know from the scriptures that they're certainly praying for us, and we see that especially in Revelation. So why not talk to them? Why not ask, tell them what they might want to pray for? We in particular could use at this moment. Why not even venerate them and honor them in a way that approaches the worship of God, right? So, so I think it's very natural to see how the cult of the saints became an abuse in the church. And that's something that we as, as Lutherans want to get rid of. We want to simply assert what the scriptures say. There is one mediator, that means go-between, between God and man, and it's the man Christ Jesus. That's why all our prayers end in some way in Jesus' name, is simply to say Jesus is the one who brings our prayers to God in him they have their answer of yes and amen. And and so what do we do with the heroes of 
the faith? Well, we remember them. Our Lutheran confession says there's kind of three ways we look at it. One, uh, we we thank God for what he's done in them, especially that he brought them to faith. Uh, We thank God that when we see their lives and, and how particularly this aspect of the faith is brought to life in them, that their sins were forgiven is encouraging to us that we see that that we also can be forgiven and then the third thing that we we see their good works and we are able to imitate them in our stations in life so yeah they're they're role models and 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 we've never believed that everybody's all the same you know we have these debates in all sorts of spheres in just natural life too but spiritually we recognize that the, that the lord has prepared rewards for his christians you know who gets to sit at the right and the left that's the question that the <laughs> sons of thunder ask and they thought well we should make cut a deal now to, to get the good seats with Jesus we don't know who the, who's going to get the seat on the right and the left and I you know I suspect it's probably some old lady who is you know a really pious Christian has been praying for me all these years or or somebody I've never met before who's not in the Bible or remembered by the church that that will end up there but in any case obviously everybody's different and 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 some people have remarkable lives that end up being uh valuable to us because of the stories that are told that remains for the saints and i think in our time we've really started recovering that you know our our new hymnal has all sorts of biblical saints days that can be celebrated feasts and festivals all saints day is one of the big ones but also it has those commemorations with you know different names different people for different days lsb chose not to put any readings or, or stuff to observe services for those. And that's one of the biggest questions I always get is, well, where do I find that? How do I celebrate Phil Helm Lea Day or <laughs> or or St. Lorenz Day, right? Mm-hmm. St. Lawrence. Well, maybe we, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. maybe that's something that people were ready for and interested in, right? Because yeah. we love to look back and have examples from the past and we have that rich measure in the saints. Boy, let's get back to All Saints Day, right? <laughs> I mean, but this is the lead up to it, right? yeah. yeah. This is a day, as the old intro used to say, come let us celebrate a festival or a feast day in honor of all the saints at whose solemnity the angels rejoice and give praise to the Son of God. That's actually a pretty good intro. We don't have it anymore, but I think we could still sing it because it emphasizes something that comes out in probably the most famous All Saints Day hymn for all the saints, right? That first stanza, for all the saints, not to all the saints, but for them, on account of them, for all the saints who from their labors rest, who by faith before the world confess, that's all modifying saints, right? For all the saints, your name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. Amen. That's exactly what it's getting at, right? We're praising Christ Jesus for what he has done in his saints now and always. Mm-hmm. So much good stuff there. Do you want to say something else? Probably, but so All Saints Day isn't limited to just a particular one, but it's it's all of them together. There was evidence for this happening, you know, on May 13 in some areas. There are a number of guessed kind of the history on this is a little fuzzy on when exactly it got instituted. A couple people have other feasts on November 1, but eventually it really settles firmly on this date. Uh, and uh, and it. It, it has a direct implication on us as Lutherans also, uh, not just because we want to correct the abuse of the honor of the saints, but also because this is the day that Luther posted those 95 theses, which at least in kind of popular retelling is is how the Reformation kicks off, right? So, so Wittenberg, not really a place you find in the Bible, by the way, Wittenberg is 
is a college town, is a big university, kind of the the showpiece of that prince. And in addition to having a great university with, you know, edgy professors like Luther, he also had a great collection of relics, that is, bones, pieces of, uh, uh, you know, pieces of the remains of, at least allegedly, and, and maybe some truthfully, of the saints of old. And these relics would be honored. They would, you know, uh, there are some abusive things that were done with them too, but especially that, you know, if you see every one of them, you visit every one of them, then you get X number of years off purgatory or X number of sins transmuted into temporal punishments. The whole system is all tied to this. So, so when Luther decides to post his theses against indulgences, the day before kind of the big show day, all of these relics at his prince's town, that's, I mean, that's the, the, them's fighting words, right? <laughs> And we know the end of the story. In the end, Luther actually wins over his prince. He ends up getting—I mean, this was even shown in that movie, right? He He's not interested in these relics anymore, which is an astounding thing because that represents a huge investment and it represents a money-making scheme, really, for the, for the prince. But in the end, Luther's gospel won over and he said, you know, what is this compared to the treasures of, of eternal life that come only through the blood of Jesus Christ? So, so that's a little bit of our personal instance in or, or history with All Saints Day, but also I think getting to the point of what we want to clear away from the saints so that we can actually honor them rightly and praise Christ for for His work and His saints. Yeah, I never made that connection between between the Reformation Day and the Ninety Five Theses and All Saints Day being back to back and the changes that would have happened with the celebration of All Saints Day because of the Reformation. That's very. It's a very interesting thing to think about. If I may, there's one more change that has happened that is maybe up for discussion even, and that is there's there's another day in the Roman Catholic Church that mm-hmm. follows it, which is All Souls Day. That's mm-hmm. on November 2nd. Now, this day is very much tied to that indulgence issue. The question of what about all the souls who are in purgatory? They're on their way to heaven in Roman Catholic thinking, but they aren't there yet. And there's where, where in the Roman Catholic understanding, we have, a, you know, an ability to to help them get out of purgatory and pass on to eternal bliss by by our works as well, or by purchasing indulgences, etc. We could we can see why a Lutheran would struggle with almost everything on that day. Mm-hmm. The one thing that's interesting is that is the day that is much more reserved for everyday ordinary Christians mm-hmm. right if, if we want to ask the if we want to remember the saint and give thanks to God for my grandfather or my father which day do you do that on well it, at least certainly in the Roman Catholic Church that's a November 2nd thing not November 1st November 1st is the famous saints the the ones that are well known we have really collapsed the two into one and I, I don't think there's a problem with that but it, but it might be worth pointing out that there is a sort of egalitarianism in that that I think appeals to us as Americans who, who want everything to be equal all the time and if obviously there are differences in this world and they're not all bad um, but but just just so we're aware of that, we've we've kind of uh, whether we knew it or not condensed these into one. So when we sing for all the saints, or or we sing oh, behold a host arrayed in white, we tend to think saint is just the general term, which let's admit is exactly the way the Bible uses this term mm-hmm. for Christian, rather than maybe the famous heroes of the faith or the well known or the the people who are remarkable for some great accomplishment and therefore imitable. So. 
so many words <laughs> to learn. We, Saints, we, we were just talking in our household about the word hallow. Mm. Yeah. What what does hallowed mean? Since Halloween, all Hallow's Holy. Eve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were just talking about that recently and trying to find another example of the Lord's Prayer where we use the word hallowed mm -hmm. as well. And what does hallowed mean? It comes up in the catechism. Uh, it's it, so helpful to bring that. I mean, just, yeah. to, just to be totally honest about that, Halloween has become its own thing. And it's become a lot of different things, whether it's kind of the, the 1970s version is very innocent. Let's go get candy and carve some pumpkins and dress up because that's fun. <laughs> it's kind of the Halloween I still would like to live. Then there's also the let's dress trashy, let's let's invoke demons even. Uh, mm -hmm. let, let's get really into the dark stuff. That's a newer thing. And as well as its connection kind of to pagan practices. Certainly there might have been some connection to pagan practices in the Christian history too, but it's right there in the name that this comes out of All Saints Day. Maybe it's an abuse of All Saints Day to think that we have to scare off the, the ghosts or or, 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 or somehow ask the saints help to get rid of demons or something. But certainly the, the con we could say that the Christian holiday comes first. <laughs> We're going to learn more about All Saints Day, particularly some of the proper, some of the things that happen in worship as we observe All Saints Day. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are discussing All Saints Day today with LCMS Director of Worship, the Reverend Sean Denzer. He's also chaplain for us here at the LCMS International Center. So we've talked a little bit about the history of All Saints Day. What does it mean for throughout Christendom? And particularly, what does it mean for us as Lutherans? Now, how do we observe it as Lutherans? <laughs> what are some some of the proper, some of the things that are included in worship as we observe All Saints Day. Sure. We hear three scriptures, and, and really two of them are well known to us. The one that's maybe not as well known is 1 John 3. And I, I really think this is a tender passage from John's epistle. He talks about, look at the love that the Father's given us, that we're called children of God. And, and notice that has the all of us, not just the, the, the famous ones, but, but even every single Christian, right, is a saint in this sense, a child of God. And the the world does not know us, right? So I think this has given voice to that kind of All Souls Day, you know, the, the saints that you might have known and remembered from your personal life. It brings them now into November 1. The reason it doesn't know us, it didn't know Christ. So we shouldn't be surprised if the world rejects us. And then he says, we're God's children right now. What we will be has not yet appeared. He's talking about eternal life, about what it means to be raised from the dead and be incorruptible, all the things Paul goes into a little more detail on. John just says, we don't know what that's going to be like, but this is how much we do know. We know that when he appears, Christ appears, we will be like him and we'll see him as he is. 
And then he says, everyone who hopes in this way in him purifies him, him or herself just as Christ is pure. And I think that's that's a, a beautiful looking forward to what we call the church triumphant, right? We look forward to the last day when when all of the, the sin, the sorrow, the tears will be cleared away and we will be with Christ. We will be like he is in glorious bodies, as Paul describes further, right? Um and so forth. The, the the really well-known passage is 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 Revelation chapter seven, where it talks about the hundred and forty-four thousand from every tribe, and then especially this this passage about all the peoples and the languages, right? All saints gathered around the throne in those white robes with palm branches, a symbol of victory in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, "Salvation belongs to our God." who sits on the throne. They sing a big hymn. Everybody has amen, power and glory. Sounds like this is the feast. And <laughs> at the end, right, who are the ones in white, white robes? And John says, good answer, by the way. Oh, you know, right? Yeah. Why don't you tell me so I won't get it wrong? Well, or he just wants to hear it from somebody else's voice. Don't we want to hear this, right? These are the ones who've come out of tribulation. They've washed their robes in blood. Christ's blood, though the blood of the Lamb, and that has made them white. They are now cleansed. They are pure as Christ is pure, to borrow from 1 John. And then it gives this vision, right, of being before the throne of God, serving him, being sheltered by him, like Psalm 121, hungering no more, thirsting no more. The sun, Psalm 121, doesn't strike them. And the Lamb in the midst of the throne is their shepherd. He guides them to living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is a famous phrase that is so comforting at funerals and death. So that's what we see. Together with that is Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are they. Blessed are they. So focusing on what the character of, of people who are saintly, we might say, have. Blessed, right? Given this forgiveness by Christ Jesus, cleansed by his blood, and therefore renewed for a life of of righteousness and good works in many ways. And this passage, I think, is familiar to so many people. It is beautifully constructed. This is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it has, you know, one kind of a great outline for how a righteous person ought to be, that they're meek, that they are merciful to others, that they're pure in heart and make for peace, not war. But it also shows the Lord's care for them, both that he satisfies the hungry who thirst after his righteousness, that he gives them mercy. And at the end, that that even you are blessed if you're hated by this world or, or if you're martyred, for example, which, which makes up such a, a majority of the early church's interest in the heroes of the faith, not the ones who were kings or, or pastors that built great churches, but those who died in the arena, those who were who were killed for their so so all of this then paints a picture both of of living as saints now as well as having our hope for eternal life and it really does shift our focus uh, away from this world to the things above and to uh, the life of what we, what is often called the beatific vision the blessed hope that we have in Christ Jesus so all of those readings, I love those readings. They're some of my favorites. They connect very closely to the hymnody that we have for All Saints Day. And you've mentioned a few snippets of a couple, but do you want to talk about some more of the hymnody that we have for All Saints Day? Is there an actual, there isn't an actual like All Saints. Yeah, uh, so if you if yeah. you go into the hymnal and you just look at the top, I I never like to look at the index. I te- it's kind of like the Bible. It's cheating if you ever look at the index, right? <laughs> you just got to know the books of the Bible and, and then like kind of get the feel of your Bible. Psalms right, in yeah. the middle, right? 
justification <laughs> is in the middle of our hymnal. That's pretty That's very appropriate. pretty fortuitous. But you get to the section on the church. We got the church's one foundation in there. Mm-hmm. Then you have this church militant, right? So we talk about the church in two ways. Church militant, that's here on earth, the way we see it, belabored, fighting against, you know, those who are opponents of the church, frankly, fighting like brothers do within <laughs> the church as well. And, you know, the, the church... <laughs> where we do not see all things in subjection under Christ's feet, just like Hebrews says. But, of course, we will see all things as they truly are in subjection under his feet. This is what's behind the name of that last book of the Bible, Revelation, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing that is yet to be accomplished by Christ. It just simply, he's got to pull back the curtain and say, oh, you don't realize how everything really is now that I've died and risen. Church militant here, but church triumphant once we've been transferred to eternal life and, and once the last day comes for everybody. And in that church triumphant section, you find all the great All Saints Day hymns, hymns that look forward to what eternal life will be like, look forward to the resurrection. It's not quite death and dying and Easter, but uh, but it's very closely related. Yeah, let's look at just a couple. Let's start with a, with a Lutheran one. This is out of the Scandinavian countries. This is Behold a Host Arrayed in White. This is a hymn I never grew up singing. I guess my home congregation was too German for that or something, but I love it. And it, it has a... Um, I mean, it is a beautiful text, and the translation we have is quite nice, too. But it talks about these martyrs and, and all the saints. It's kind of like the Deum, where you've got the, you know, the prophets, the apostles, the martyrs, all these different classes, you might say, and the churches sometimes observe them that way. It certainly is drawing on Revelation 7. And what I think is interesting is it doesn't mention us. It, it really is talking, of, I think, about the famous saints, we want to say. But, it, but it, it focuses not just on how wonderful they are now, but also what they've gone through, right? They were despised and scorned here, but now they're glorious, right? They, they suffered, they, they walked the narrow path. Some of them spread his word abroad. That must be all the pastors and bishops, etc. And God has now freed them from all those troubles. He's given them the Sabbath rest. Beautiful images of both their, their sojourn here and their now blessed reward in heaven. And then at the last stanza, once it finally mentions the angels are there with a myriad angels raise their song, then the whole hymn changes, and now it addresses one another, right? And we say, oh, saints, sing with that happy throng. Lift up one voice. Let heaven rejoice in our Redeemer's song, right? So that if you want to find our place in this hymn, it's, it's not till the very end, but it, but it is kind of giving this, come along with us, right? Join with the saints in heaven. And there's another hymn that, that actually takes that exact theme. Sing, for all the, sing with all the saints, right? All of these hymns for all saints also seem to be, I don't know, if you're familiar with them, they seem to have some sort of emotional connection or great memories attached to them. Perhaps because maybe they're sung at funerals. I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're, the death and dying section doesn't get enough play anymore. And it's been greatly reduced from what it used to be. I think because we've forgotten that death happens to everybody, in fact, still, mm-hmm. unless Christ should return first. That's a shame. But but the good thing that we have left is the Easter section mm-hmm. and this church triumphant section, which mm-hmm. do get good play in our Lutheran churches for, for funerals. And, and they ought to, because this gives us the hope of eternal life. It puts this in the front of our vision. And this I mean, I think in the in the church's life, we see this in the book of Hebrews, right? When it rolls out, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, why would we bring that up? Why would we talk about the future hope of the resurrection? 
actually to encourage us to run the race now. So hope absolutely is is fixed into the future. It's trust in and, and confidence in what does await us. We say this in the creed, I expect the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. I'm looking forward to it. But that it galvanizes a steadfastness in us, a boldness, a parousia in the Greek for us, that we would actually continue and press on now. So, so the image there in Hebrews is that everybody is, is cheering you on to face whatever struggles, whatever duties, whatever good works are laid out before you in your life, right? It's not just a, boy, it's going to be nice when you die, if only that could be today. Um, but it's also, I will endure knowing that this present sufferings are hardly worth being compared with what is to come. And if the end is certain, uh, what do I have to fear about about um, serving Christ here now? So We have just about a minute left. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to talk about all these hymns. Everybody knows for all the saints. Uh, this is such a good, I mean, this is just such good English poetry, and mm. I happen to be an English speaker, so I, <laughs> that's what's so good about it. And and, and let's not begrudge uh, Mr. Howe. I don't think he was a Lutheran, but uh, but he really has written one that belongs in all churches now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's got everything too, right? It's got thanks for the saints of old. It's got the the fellowship with this contrast between how they are triumphant and we are yet militant. It gives us the distant triumph song, steals on the ear, right, to do what? To make hearts brave and, mm-hmm. and, and arms strong again, right? And it's so beautiful the way the yet more glorious day is awaiting, and that is when everybody rises to eternal life. So by no means are we just worried about this life and our life. But the other hymn that I would want to focus on, I guess, is one that you might not know, and that is, Oh, how blessed are ye whose toils are ended. I think it's, Oh, how blessed are they whose toils are ended. 679 in Mm. Lutheran service book. This one is also good poetry because it was translated by Henry Longfellow, who's a very good English poet, but it originally was by Simon Dach, who wrote a number of other other hymns that you may or may not know that are also very excellent uh, Lutheran chorales. And this one just goes back and forth, us and them, you and us. I think it's been adjusted so we're not poetically addressing the saints anymore, but that was the intention originally, not to worship them or pray to them, but but just to kind of poetically address them. That they are free from all these things that we are still bearing with, which I think acknowledging that, you know, one encourages us and helps us to look forward to to when these things are, uh, these calamities are overpassed. But the last stanza, uh, I mean, oh, all these stanzas are so beautiful. I think the last one is just great, though. It's a prayer. And it says, Come, O Christ, and loose the chains that bind us. Lead us forth to cast this world behind us. With you, the anointed finds the soul its joy and rest appointed. That that is the old thought about All Saints Day, and even about you know what is the beatific vision. It is rest from labors. Right, our works do follow, but at last we will rest from our labors, as Revelation says. At last we'll have the Sabbath rest that Hebrews talks about in Christ Jesus. So, so all of these themes are at work there, and and All Saints then I think has. Yeah, poignancy for us, because every one of us knows Christians that we personally cup to and, and maybe miss, as well as we think back of how many Christians have gone before us. We are by no means the first people to be in probably this church that I'm singing in right now, and certainly not in the Christian church around the world. 
they've come to their rest and we're surrounded now by a great cloud of witnesses. So I think even though our rest has not come yet and we have uh, we have a lot we have a little bit more of the church here in fact some of the harder parts the judgment end of the world parts to go through and uh, and pretty soon the new church here comes along with crazy decembers and pre-christmas mm-hmm. rushes and oh and maybe you have elections coming up a little bit in November. I mean <laughs> and yet this is a calm that does exactly what that one hymn says, right? It, it strengthens our hearts, makes our arms strong, makes us brave again mm-hmm. to face this, knowing that Christ is one by his blood, our cleansing and our rest. Our guest today, the Reverend Sean Denzer, LCMS Director of Worship and Chaplain for the LCMS International Center. Chaplain Denzer, thanks so much for joining us for this conversation on All Saints Day. My pleasure. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.